0: 1 basic hip welcome to the jazz session i'm jason crane the jazz session is a jazz interview show that brings you lives and stories from the people who make this incredible music it's also more than just a show when you visit the website at the you'll find reviews live jazz news and a whole lot more The site also features a link to the Jazz Sessions Cause of the Month. This month, it's the Music Maker Relief Foundation, so please follow the link and give them some money. Thanks. On this show, Don Byron. I chatted with Don between sets at the Rochester International Jazz Festival, where he was playing with his Ivy Divey trio. In this iteration, featuring Don on clarinet and tenor saxophone, Pianist Jason Moran, with whom I spoke earlier in the day, and legendary drummer Billy Hart. Or, I guess I should say, in uh, deference to Doug Ramsey, master drummer Billy Hart, because he's not legendary, he actually exists. So, this is a little bit of what they sounded like last night, playing a tune that I won't tell you the name of, so that you can be surprised when you hear the recognizable theme. So here comes the interview, but just before it starts, I should tell you that almost at the end of the interview, someone slipped an unmarked, thick manila envelope under the door. No one came in, no one knocked, you couldn't see a hand, and so you'll hear Don and me reacting to that moment. We're backstage behind Kilbourne Hall and here with Don Byron, who played tonight with his Ivy Divey trio, along with uh, the great Billy Hart and also the great Jason Moran. Don, welcome to the show thank you thanks for being here man i know it's a busy night uh just talk a little bit about the inspiration for this project and the lester young album that that originally launched this about three years ago
1: well you just said um uh i guess you know over 10 years ago i started listening to lester young real closely and and i heard this lester young trio record with buddy rich and nat king cole and um it was one of many things that I studied, but you know, I kinda liked the openness of it, that there was no bass and that because there was no bass, everybody was very harmonically and and rhythmically much more responsible for holding the whole thing together. But like a lot of creativity kinda came out of those players that was unusual even for those players. So, you know, it seemed like that was a good scenario for me to put myself in and try to find the players of today who had that kind of um, power, but did it in a more modern way and including some more, I won't say avant-garde concepts of rhythm, but just freer concepts of rhythm, but with like a very strong harmonic base. So, um, you know, I got Jason and I got Jack and, you know, those people hadn't really played together. Um, and uh, that was the record and the record did, you know, was very successful.
2: (laughs)
0: On the original Lester date, if there wasn't a bassist intentionally, or did it just happen that way?
1: I think it just—I think it was intentional. I mean, I, I don't know. It's you know, a bassist didn't show up, or he got hit in a car accident. You know, I don't—I don't know any any. Um, there's no history like that that I know of. I'm, you know, maybe you know some ninety-year-old guy will tell me that eventually. But uh, I think it—you it, know—it sounds very full without the bass. I mean, Nat King Cole was quietly, at that time, the best piano player in the world and the best singer in the world. Um, You know, just playing by himself, he could, you know, fill a concert hall with vibe and music, so (laughs) to have him without a bass player, I mean, it just sounds very orchestral. It's a very orchestral-sounding jazz record.
0: When I was talking with Jason Moran this morning, he said that he really enjoys playing with this trio and finds it really challenging in the moments where he's soloing because it's effectively a duet between himself and, in this case, Billy Hart. I'm wondering for you what particular challenges or particular joys this group holds. Uh,
1: I, I think, for me, it's not the kind of repertoire that people expect me to be doing. And I like to do things that people don't expect me to be doing, even if it's the thing that they've been saying for years that I ought to be doing. The fact that I'm doing something unexpected, I, I just enjoy that position. Then, you know, for me, I really like this material. I really like Lester Young. I really feel like honoring him, you know, as a teacher. Um, all my students have to have to know some Lester Young and, and experience it, um. Because there's a discipline implied in it that I think is, is that most American musicians should at least have an understanding of. Um, so it's, it's a real tribute to someone. It's not really a tribute. You know, it's someone that's involved in my personal pedagogy and I'm just kind of reaching out to, um, to the kind of discipline that, that his music has implied to me.
0: talk more about that? What does that mean? There's a discipline that's implied. Uh, you, you
1: know, when you learn, you know, people just kind of think that like you know, if somebody plays like Coltrane, it's just because they've listened passively to lots of Coltrane and absorbed it. You have to really, if you're going to play jazz, even if you don't imitate somebody, you have to try to get a handle on what the discipline that produces their playing—what what discipline is implied? Like, what would you have to practice? How would you have to structure your musical thinking to make those sounds? And um, I think the the Lester Young um, discipline is really the one that set up modern jazz. You know, it's just you know before Charlie Parker, it. It really sets up what modern jazz discipline is going to be, and there's lots of Lester Young and Wayne Shorter, and there's lots of Lester Young and Eddie Harris, and there's lots of Lester Young in, you know, certainly all the more soulful tenor players. But particularly when you talk about Wayne Shorter, you have to talk about um, Lester Young.
0: So for the the Mickey Katz project or the Raymond Scott project or this one, in each of those, you're Kind of throwing yourself full bore into the the discipline of those players or composers, and then trying to move beyond that, or pr- bringing out your own your own kind of sound. Well, yeah,
1: you know? I mean, you know, with with something like the Mickey Katz project, we're not talking about the same level of of improvisatory freedom. You know, um, th- that's that's an ethnic style, which you know is a little easier to get under your fingers. You know, like if you hear a guy play Bulgarian stuff, you know, what he's playing doesn't change. How many times he plays it may change. But the, the discipline implied in, in some jazz improvisation is that you could play a lot of different things that, that you hear that are not necessarily melodic cliches. And that's where like modern jazz and I kind of step off. It's like if, you know, somebody's just going to play a lot of modern cliches, just because you're playing modern doesn't mean you're not playing cliches. But, you know, a discipline implied by Lester Young is discipline that, you know, any group of intervals that you wanted to play, that you could execute them. And that if you start to look at, at melodies as groups of... Intervals in varying directions, up and down. Um, you start to get inside the mind of the way that the songs that people are improvised are written on. You know, if you if you analyze a Gershwin song or a Duke Ellington song, you know the intervals are everything. And you know, a lot of times when you hear people improvise on these songs, they just kind of play these kind of scale cliches. Um, Or just melodic cliches that you've heard before when the actual melody is written is much more inventive. Um, You know, Lester Young gives you the tools to really think the way that the writers think.
0: You said before that you don't like to do things that are expected, but I've never known you to do anything that people expect. You seem to really find an individual course with every record and every project. Um, Is there an expected Don Byron course?
1: Well, I was supposed to be like an avant-garde free player. I think that's what people expected. And then, then I played klezmer music, and then they were almost like angry that I did that. And then, you know, it's been this kind of tailspin of people being irritated that I just, you know, I'm not in the, uh, you know, I think people expected me to be like a free jazz musician. And that would be the extent of, of um, you know, my understanding of music or what I was playing. And, you know, I, to be honest, I'm not really interested in those players and what they're doing. You know, I... I like hearing some of that music, but, you know, I never put it on at home. I'm more interested in composing and structure and, um, you know, I'm, I'm also like a, very much a classical composer and player and I'm interested in those things. And I'm interested in, in compositional effects that are free, but I'm not interested in a, like a life as a free you know, Peter Bratzman style improviser like that's that's probably the thing that I'm the least interested in.
0: Can you talk a little bit about we, we talked about Jason Moran? Can you just talk a little bit about Billy Hart and what he brought to the trio and brings to the trio sound?
1: Well, I mean, he he is you know one of the great jazz drummers in in history. I mean, you know, he's played with everybody: Eddie Harris, Billy Smith, uh, Jimmy Smith, um, you know, like you know i just i just think it's amazing and great and nice that he'll play with me ever because you know like i kind of grew up seeing him do all kinds of things i you know I, I saw him play with jerry mulligan i saw him play with and 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 kind of and also like as a drummer like one of the real underrated drummer band leaders who's made lots of great beautiful records you know enchance oshimari all these Great records, and always seems to have his finger on the pulse of who the exciting young players are. And he's just a great spirit and a and a great person, and and someone that like you know if I want to know who who the young cats are, like he's he's the guy that I'd call. He's out there hearing people, teaching people. Um, you know, he spotted me before a lot of people spotted me and and I just you know I just think it he's he's one of the most generous and nice people and then he's like a great player and just you know really has a style and really has some weirdness and really has some craft and you know he just he's just very well-rounded despite the fact that he's Done all these ultra professional gigs, playing with Stan Getz and people like that. Just he's done all these ultra professional things, but found kind of a kind of crazy way of doing them while he was doing them.
0: Did I hear that there might be a gospel record in the future? And the... I think more
1: like a, a, you know, just soul. You know, gospel influence, like soul music. I'm I'm just interested in soul music as, as a musician. I think I'm interested in gospel music and soul music more than anything else um, past few years and that's really where the Junior Walker thing is is has really come out of is you know just checking out gospel music loving soul music you know that's that's the music that that I grew up on Motown Stax Vols (laughs) you know Al Green you know Aretha Franklin Sissy Houston you know that's that's really the music that I grew up with, so I'm I'm interested in making some music like that.
0: And so you're going to write stuff to go with that?
1: Yeah, project? I th- you know, I mean, I think the Junior Walker was definitely okay. That's that's his music, so they'll be my music.
0: Is the, the gospel side, is that, is that intensified because of uh, kind of a renewal of your own faith or a, a change? Yeah, in the...
1: You know, that, that you know, I, I came to a place in my life where um, I needed to make some changes. And it wasn't like, you know, it was like substance abuse or anything like that. Just, you know, I really felt like to accomplish more things in my life, I had to have um, a different outlook and um, you know like with many kind of changes of faith some negative things happened and and you know black religion came into my life and and some ministry really touched me and through the ministry I got touched by the music and, and once I was into the ministry you know I could I, it was great that I really my first black gospel things were preachers like Gilbert Patterson and um, William Ellis and um, Bishop Morton, Bishop Jakes, and really through just seeing that the gospel culture is, really it all comes from the preaching. You know, Aretha's father was a great preacher. He wasn't a singer. And um, it was through that that I got into the music and you know I've seen you know I've been ministered to by T.D. Jakes and Paul Morton and, and people like that that I admire I still would like to see Jasper Williams I miss seeing Gilbert Patterson live I will see William Ellis you know at some point you know some of these people who who've, whose preaching has inspired me and, and whose preaching is so musical um, I am you know <clears throat> just getting over a little cold. Um, uh, you know, that has been the impetus for for my exploration into music, and that's how I got and You know, when when I went back to Junior Walker, whose music I'd always loved, you know, when I listened to it as a kid, I didn't grow up in that kind of church. And then when I listened to it again, and I experienced that church, I, I could see, you know, the whole history of this, of that kind of playing and soul music and what it really means, just it all really kind of came came to me. So now I can make that music with, with some
0: kind of authority. You kind of likened the preaching to music and talked about seeing them live. Is that that group shared experience, is that key to what makes the preaching special?
1: Well, you know, Black people have survived in this country because of the power of black religion. Because of that combination of oration and real inspiration and musicality in the way that we talk. That's why a lot of us talk the same. You know, it's our common denominator. Black religion is the common denominator of black people. If it wasn't for black religion, we just talk like what people talk like in our regions, but we all have this kind of rhythm in our speech and it's re- it really is the common denominator. You know, maybe now hip-hop has changed that. Maybe hip-hop is our common denominator, but that also means that calling people, you know, expletives is part of our common denominator, which is not really what our common denominator is. It's that, that draw, you know, and... A lot of different kinds of musics, when you study them, they really support the way of talking that the people, you know, the, you know, if you, you study Jewish music, you can kind of see how all of the stuff in Jewish music supports the way that Jewish people talk. If you study country music, which is blues music, but it's kind of slower and more bendy, it supports the way the Southern white people talk. If you, if you certainly, if you, if you look at most Eastern European music, it supports the way that speech happens in the regions.
2: What is
1: that? That (laughs) No, hey brother, (laughs) hey, get in that cell! Thank God, Lord! It's like some package comes down through, through the door. You know, it's like. Man, you know, like, I I don't even know what that was. I was no. just like...
0: Some mysterious hand you know, shoved it under the hey, door.
1: Hey, hey, bus driver. <laughs> hey, uh, just hold this package. Hey, uh, get in that cell. God damn. You know, like, I just thought it was going to,
0: you know. As long as it doesn't explode, I'm happy Yeah, just as long this. as it doesn't explode or
1: as soon as I touch it, like, somebody from the DEA doesn't appear. But that <laughs> that's had like kind right. of ominous look to it. I wasn't really feeling that.
0: I'll get on the floor and look for black boots under the door, man. Alright, whatever. Well thank you. Um yeah, I just just real quick as a as a closing question, you said there at the end that if you listen to this music you can hear that it uh it kind of it mirrors or it fits the way people talk. So is it well, is it black that, religion that has unified black speech or black speech that's unified the sound of black religion? No,
1: I think black religion has unified black speech. Okay. I mean Black speech has not really changed that much. You know, like um, if you hear black orators from the turn of the century, I don't mean like Frederick Douglass type of guys, but like, you know, black religion guys, they sound um, just very similar. To, you know, and there's a couple guys. There's a guy out, out of um, Atlanta whose name I always forget. Who is a great singer and a great preacher and he does these like old time camp meeting kind of you know, like everybody wearing overalls and he sings these old no instruments, like just stomping and and you can just see how how ancient um, that black religion vocal tradition is and just how our ways of talking and speaking um, have kind of it's, it's preserved a certain kind of way of speaking. And, and that way of speaking will always inspire a certain kind of music. Just a way of speaking that's consistent will always consistently inspire a way of making music. You know, if you talk to people from Czechoslovakia, they have a way of talking. You know, if you hear somebody from Czechoslovakia talk... It's no mystery why the music sounds like that. If you're in Macedonia and you hear people talk, there's there's no mystery to why the music sounds the way that it sounds. If you go to the Middle East, you know, to Egypt or Syria or some place like that, you know, not that I've been to those places, but I know people from those places, when you hear them talk amongst themselves, it's no mystery why the music sounds the way that it sounds. And, you know, like, oftentimes when I'm doing my teaching and people can't understand, like, you know, certain jazz stuff, I give them a Martin Luther King speech and tell them to write it out, you know, with with accents. Because once you can see the accents, the falls and in the, in the, in the pitch and stuff like that, then, then, you know, it starts to be not such a mystery why the music sounds the way that it sounds. So, um... You know, there's a there's a big correlation between speech and and music.
0: I thank you for taking the time to talk. I really appreciate it. You're I really welcome. And that's Don Byron from his album, Ivy Divey. Until next time, you've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. Please visit the show's website at thejazzsession.com, where you'll find interviews, live jazz news, and links to tons of other jazz sites. You'll also find links to subscribe to the show. If you can, please subscribe via iTunes. It's free, as are all the other subscription methods, and it ensures that you'll always have the most recent show waiting for you whenever you want it. The site also features a link to the Jazz Session Cause of the Month. This month, it's the Melody Maker Relief Foundation. Please, I think I said melody, it's actually Music Makers Relief Foundation. Please let me get some sleep, and then please click the link and follow it and give them some money. Thanks. I write interviews and reviews for allaboutjazz.com, the world's largest jazz website. You can check my interviews and reviews out there, as well as concert reviews, CD reviews, uh, festival reviews, interviews by many other writers. It's an amazing place. There's free MP3s. Make sure you go there and check it out. You can contact the show in a couple of ways. A, a very simple way is just to go to the contact page at thejazzsession.com. There's an email submission form and all the other info you might need. You can just send an email straight away to jason at thejazzsession.com, or you'll always welcome to call 585-473-5304. Hey, take a second, too, if you can, and join the mailing list, which you'll find at thejazzsession.com. When you join, you'll get periodic updates about the guests who appear on the show, and some other news from the jazz world, and zero spam. Guaranteed. The theme music for this show is written and performed by the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Thanks very much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.